Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today's episode is going to follow, um, I guess, a story um, of a a very kind of up and down experience I've been having over the last, unfortunately, couple of months um, in terms of with some changes I've been trying to make in Pedometer Plus Plus. And you may, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you may remember that in back in October 4th, uh, we even did a whole episode where I was talking about like how complicated it is to implement step counting and, you know, to diving into that. And that particular episode was motivated because at the time I was in the middle of making a big sort of fundamental rewrite essentially of the way that the step counting system in Pedometer Plus Plus works. Which, given that it's a step counter, the step counting system is pretty fundamental to uh, the app and for it to be useful. And so it was a change that um, I didn't take lightly. And it was a change that was motivated because uh, when iOS 12 uh, sort of came out, I started getting these sporadic reports um, that uh, Pedometer++ was undercounting steps uh, compared to the health app or compared to other apps or in general that it was undercounting. And at the time, I went and did my kind of investigation. I started looking around. And as best I could, at the time, my initial investigation found that the uh, I was seeing lots of undercounting if I was requesting step samples from core motion in the past. So it, I can ask for up to a week's worth of data. And when I was asking for data from like four or five days ago, um, it would be under, I was getting undercounted values. And so it, my initial thought was like, oh, no, this is like they've changed the way that this is being wor- working. Old, old, old days data is now going to be undercounted. And so there's no way that I can realistically use core motion for this anymore. I need to switch to health. Switching to health was really complicated and deal, like deals with a whole host of problems because the health API is, um, not nearly as sort of, uh, performant as the core motion API. Sometimes it just hangs indefinitely. Um, it doesn't get the data right away. It often has these like 15, 20 minute delays from when you take a step before it would show up. And so I had to build this really sort of crazy, complicated system to kind of manage that and work through it. And it, after probably, honestly, several weeks, maybe a month's work, I think I got to a place that I was like, oh, maybe this works. But then I kind of got stuck. And this is, I think, the core topic for today was I ended up in this place where I was afraid of releasing this change um, because I was sort of scared of making a change, messing everything up, like somehow missing some case in my testing and like fundamentally breaking the app for everybody. Because most of the changes I make on a, you know, in a, for a particular update, um, you know, they, they may be a new feature, they may be a sort of a little tweak somewhere. But it's unlikely that they're going to like fundamentally break the app for every one of my users in a way that I can't easily recover from. Um, like, then that was the case for this kind of a fundamental rewriting of the way that I'm, you know, acquiring the data that is key to the app. And I was stuck. And I think that is an interesting state to find in and for us to talk about because I feel like often we are going to find ourselves in a situation where we are making a change and this change could be. You know, it could be breaking. No matter how much testing you do, no matter how how robust your system is, there's always going to be things that potentially could come up. And sometimes this can be paralyzing. And that's where I found myself. And I was sort of stuck for probably a month 
sort of like ostensibly testing this, but mostly just kind of pushing it down the road because I was scared of what releasing it would actually uh, be like. That I, no matter how much I tested it, no matter how sort of much I walked around with five phones in my pocket, like going on long walks and then checking the data and doing all this kind of stuff, I could never feel confident enough that I wanted to release it. Um, and I think that fear is kind of a tricky thing because it pushed me into a place that I just wasn't being productive. I wasn't doing useful things. And honestly, like, I mean, I think, and while I will continue down this road for other reasons, it's like, this is part of why I like start, like, let me, let's like, maybe let's think about making a pedometer plus plus for Android. Let's go and get an Android phone. Let's like try all like crazy, like extreme versions of work avoidance. Um, just because the, I, I could never feel confident enough. And that paralysis, I think, is just like it is inevitable whenever in time you make a big change. And I think it's just something we have to kind of work through to not let it get you stuck like it did get me stuck. I've I've faced a lot of these like, you know, big change potentials over the years. And I never I never become comfortable with it. Like it never becomes easy. And I I I will tackle them eventually. Like, you know, and like I'm currently facing a couple now like I. One that I'm facing with Overcast um, in like the near term is when I when I do complete my transition to AirPlay two, what I really have to do is basically rewrite and you know throw out a good chunk of my audio engine and and start it over with a different API and a whole different approach, and that is really really intimidating to do and it's it's going to be a lot of work i've already you know I'm, I'm still laying foundation work so i haven't actually started throwing away the audio engine yet so but that comes next like that that is going to be the next step like that i'm probably going to be starting in the next month or two and it's it's incredibly intimidating because basically like you know i, I did all this code up and you know very similar to sort like I, I did all this all this code and did this approach up to this point so far but now in order to move it forward into what it needs next for the market or whatever, it needs to totally change. It needs to be something totally different. And so I'm facing, you know, a, a complete rewrite of, of core components of the app. And that's going to be really, really hard. And I think the weirdest thing I find too, is it's like, it's hard because the apps are doing well. Like, in, it's this weird, at least the I found, it's like as the app does better and has a bigger audience, like the stakes increase in such a way that like if it breaks, it's one thing if it, like when an app is new and young and if you break something, it's like maybe it'll affect a few hundred people or a few thousand. But as that number gets bigger and bigger and becomes more significant as like the way you make your living, like the stakes for shipping in a change like that just kind of get, it, it becomes so scary to me, the thought of, I'm like, I'm glad that uh, iTunes Connect, I guess App Store Connect now, has the feature where you can roll out changes over seven days, um, which I think help, makes me slightly confident. But it is weird where like the stakes get so so high, and you're just like, I, I just I hope it works. Yeah, I mean that, that, that you know that's my problem too. It's like you know it, there's the you know the old saying like if it isn't bro- broken, don't fix it, right? Like yeah. there's uh, there's a lot of inertia behind just keeping things going when they're working well. Like it's really, really hard to to take a risk like that. You know, not not only is it hard to justify the time to do something like this sometimes, uh, which we've talked about before, but it's also just like it's a risk. Like like I have this audio engine that's being used by all these people and it's working fine. And I wrote I wrote most of the core components in twenty fourteen, I think, or twenty thirteen, and but it's been fine. It's been totally fine. And so like I I don't want to touch a lot of this stuff. It's almost like. 
like some of the, the the programmers that I respect the most in a field I will never ever ever feel comfortable working in are programmers who work on financial software of so you know what is code that deals with people's money whether it's banking or whatever that to me is very intimidating because if you screw up you could have massive consequences for, for you know you could have legal issues you definitely would have accounting issues like you, you know you could lose your company a ridiculous amount of money or you could lose people a ridiculous amount of money like so like anything that works with money you know it, like people make fun of the banking industry for having all this old like fortran code but there's a reason why because nobody wants to touch it because it works <laughs> and if you touch it and if you touch it wrong it, you have a big problem on your hands so that's kind of how i feel like with a lot of my you know like my, my like foundational audio code is like you know it, it's not quite to that level of, of penalty if i screw up but it, it certainly has a lot of that stress of like this is working it's really important to my app it's working fine and so you know even though i'm faced with wanting to rewrite a lot of it to get these to get you know new technology new features etc that's really scary because I know it's not going to be perfect, it's, and it's so foundational to the app. I'm, I know I'm going to introduce bugs, and so for a while, you know, for, for like the first month or two after I release it, it's probably going to be worse in some respects for some group of people because I, you know, no matter how big I make the beta, there's going to be bugs that get out, you know, that, that, that you know that we didn't catch during the beta, and so like I, I just I know I'm going to be messing things up for somebody, and that's a really hard thing to to take on. And, you know, it ultimately, you know, in the long run, it's probably for the better to know like, okay, well, I'm laying, uh, it's going to be worse, but I'm laying a better foundation for the future. But uh, it's hard to tackle that now when the part that will be most immediate after release is the worst part (laughs) before I get to that nice future. Yeah. And it is funny, I think that as I've become more mature of a developer, I have much more of a confidence that it will break than I used to. Oh yeah. It always breaks. Yeah. And it's like, there's a, it's like there was maybe a younger, more naive version of myself who would just be like, eh, it seems to work. Let's ship it. And then like, as a result, I've shipped in the past, like horrific breaking bugs that like destroyed people's data and like did awful things. Um, I think it be, which, because I didn't take it seriously enough. And like, that's one of those tricky things, these types of situations where like, there is a good lesson in this kind of change that like being like really cognizant of the scope and the scale of the change and what the likely downsides are. And like that, that it's sort of like the, if you, if you ever, you know, it's like if you're, as soon as you stop feeling that kind of that nervousness about something, it probably means that you're becoming reckless. Like I think in just in general (laughs) in life, like um, whenever something stops being nervous, it's because you've become reckless. And like it's good to have a little bit of fear. It's good to have um, a little bit of a apprehension about when you make a big change, about when you're doing something like this. That like you're being aware that yes, this you know like this could be bad. I need to you know, have a big beta. I need to do all like do do any kind of quality assurance that I can. I need to test it. Um, I need to do code review, even for, even if only for yourself. Like something that I've started to do a lot more is I'll end up like you know I do a diff in in, in Git from my you know from like whatever the like the last good version is to the new version i'll just go through all the all the diffs to make sure that they all like seem reasonable in isolation after like a couple of days of not working on the project um you know just trying to try and catch like the weird like why am i doing that that seems really weird um like there's all these things that we can do but it's motivated in a weird way because 
I've made the mistake enough. And now that I know I'm like that, I have like a hundred percent confidence that something is going to go wrong. And that confidence is like good, but can also make you get stuck. And like the, the stuck part I think is the thing that is ultimately like is where it becomes problematic because the reality is, and this is like, it's easy for me to say in retrospect for my own situation. Um, but is the, like the, the, it's like the app is not getting any better for me just sort of getting stuck. Um, like either the change is worth doing or the change is not worth doing. And after we, after our break, I'll have a bit of a, uh, turns out crazy turn of events for this particular situation. But the, it's like, if the change is worth making, then it's, it's worth, we will do our best to make it right and to clean everything up. But at a certain point, like, don't get stuck. And I think that is the best advice that I can give to myself and probably to anyone listening to this is, yes, it's kind of scary. And yes, it's going to break and it's going to cause problems. But it's like, either you have to move forward or not. And if you're, if you're not going to move forward, like, what are you doing? You're just going to be spinning your wheels forever, which is, is a disservice to yourself, you know, to your business and to your customers. We are brought to you this week by Linode. Linode gives you access to a suite of powerful hosting options, and their prices start at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a huge complex system, Linode is the choice for you. They offer the fastest hardware, the fastest network, and the best customer support backing it all up if you need help. It has never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server, and Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server's up, they intend to keep it that way. And they have all sorts of wonderful other additional features beyond straight hosting. They have things like block storage, load balancing, managed beta or managed backups. It's wonderful. I've been using Linode now for, I think, about eight or nine years, some ridiculous amount of time, because they're just great. And I have slowly moved everything I host over to Linode because they're just better than most hosts I've used. They're better, better than all hosts I've used, honestly. Like the control panel is nice and easy to use. The pricing is incredible. Like it's, it's such a good value. The performance is great. I'm very, a very happy Linode customer and I have been for a very long time. So it's great whether you want to, you know, host a web app or do something more, you know, specialized. Like maybe, maybe you want to run a mail server or run a VPN or run Docker containers or private Git servers, whatever it is, you can host it at Linode. And they're hiring right now. If you, if you want to uh, maybe work there, go to linode.com slash careers. Anyway, Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month, and they have wonderful plans that go up from there if, you're, if you have higher needs than that. Listeners of this show, go to linode.com slash radar to support us, and that'll get you $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the $5 a month plan, that could be four months for free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code RADAR2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. So if you listened to last week's show, you would have rem- you may remember a little anecdote I told where I had to make sure that I'd learned the wrong les- didn't learn the wrong lesson from finding an old monitor um, buried in a box of old cords in my garage that the lesson I shouldn't take from that. Is, <laughs> what was the right lesson to learn? <laughs> I think it's like the, the right lesson is that like sometimes it's you, you hoarding technology will be useful, but hoarding technology in general is probably not better. is not good for you. Like there's a tremendous selection bias. And if, if you focus on that selection bias, you'll have problems. 
So I have to do the same thing um, for the story I'm about to tell about not learning the right, the, not not learning the wrong lesson from um, the way this the situation with Pedometer Plus Plus ended up playing out, because I ended up like I said I got stuck, I got paralyzed, and this went on for months, like without exaggeration, probably at least two or three months. Um, I've been stuck in this place where I have this code that I think kind of works. I've tested it as best I can; it seems to work, but I'm so stuck. I don't want to. I don't want to ship it. And all this time, you know, people, users out in the real world, who, you know, which is sometimes hard to keep in my mind, um, are having this trouble, you know, that people are getting undercounted steps and this is bad and it's kind of, you know, getting like increasingly worse and problematic. And at one point, and this happened just last week, I got an email uh, to, you know, to our support but from someone who said, you know, they're having this undercounting bug and they said something in their email that totally changed and reframed what I thought the actual problem was because they mentioned that the today widget um, was showing the correct number, but the main app was showing the undercounting number, hmm. <laughs> which is one of those, it's one of those little things where you never know when there's going to be a little clue that just like completely reframes the problem for you. Because suddenly this issue that I thought was old data being underreported Turns out couldn't be the case, A, because this is happening on today's data. Like the today widget is strictly showing today's date or today's step counts. And so it's something else. And the way that I query the data between the today widget and the main app is slightly different um, because the today widget only has a concept of today. It doesn't have to store data and deal with all the crazy time zone issues and all the stuff that I had to deal with before for the main app, which has a concept of history. The today widget just asks core motion for the steps from midnight to today or, to, you know, till now. So it just does one query, whereas the, the main app had done the thing where if you're, I don't know if you remember from episode 143 where I dived into this, like I query the data every 15 minutes. So like I get these 15 minute chunks of data. Um, and it adds them all up, you know, for four today. But the today widget doesn't do that. It just asks for all of them. And so when he said that, it was one of those like, huh, that's really weird. I go back to core motion. I go back to investigating. And it turns out that the, th the behavior that I was observing, where old data was being undercounted, was I was learning, I was seeing the wrong thing there. What was actually happening is data was always being undercounted, but not all the time. Um, it could be happen on any day for at any at any time, and core motion was just kind of like unpredictable with this, because I started asking for data in different time buckets. I started asking for data in rather than fifteen minutes into hour buckets or two hour buckets or six hour buckets or the whole day, and I noticed that depending on how I asked for the data, I got wildly different numbers back. <laughs> and so the actual bug, and this is an issue that was introduced in core in. Um, introduced in core motion in iOS 12, is that when you ask for data in short chunks, you are more likely to expose yourself to a bug that seems in core, it seems like core motion has like a, you know, a greater than or equals to that should be a greater than or less than or equal to like there, there's some kind of boundary condition issue where it isn't correctly counting steps that happen across, um, the interval that you're asking for, you know, so if I was asking for steps from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. and then from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., if you happened to be walking right at 5 p.m., like the way it accounted for those steps meant that they sometimes got sort of fallen off and they didn't show up in either bucket. Mm -hmm. Turns out that's the problem. Oh, my God. That bug, <laughs> totally easier to fix because 
it's way like I can stick with core motion. I can don't have to deal with all the craziness with with health. And mostly the bug goes away if you ask for it in hour long chunks. Um, it doesn't completely go away, but it's like it seems like 80, 90 percent of the bug just disappears. And I can deal with that. Like all I really need to do is account for some, like the two time zone, like Nepal and northern Australia, where they have weird half hour or quarter hour time zones. But like that's a vanishingly small percentage of my users. Everyone else, it'll, they won't even notice a difference if I switch to hour buckets rather than quarter hour buckets. Um, and then I can very easily just ask for the whole data for the whole day. And if the numbers are slightly different, then um, like if I am getting undercounting at the hour level, which seems, seems pretty rare, if I am, I can take the difference and I can reapply it to the steps that I saw to make sure that the two numbers match up. Like super easy, was about a day's work to fix. And that's the fix that I submitted to the app store yesterday. So I need to not learn the lesson <laughs> that my paralysis and my fear at not shipping the update previously for the last two months, hurting my customers for all this time and all this problematic thing, meant that I ultimately found the correct solution. And instead, I need to learn, you know, have the lesson that it's like being stuck is problematic and is not good. And I shouldn't just wait around for this magic like cu customer support query with this super clue that magically solves my problem for me. Because I suspect that is a fairly rare circumstance and not something that is going to happen all the time. Wow. That <laughs> I can't believe that all that was the result of just this crazy little bug in the framework instead of like some fundamental need. Yeah, no, me, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like, so I, what, one thing that I also want to talk about is like maybe like some of these large changes and rewrites and things that that maybe are not worth doing you know and and it's it's always hard to tell you know when when something is new in your mind like when the concept of you know oh I, i'm gonna rewrite the whole app in health kit or whatever i'm gonna re rewrite my whole audio engine to be airplay 2 compatible sometimes it's hard to see past like because in that moment you are you are very excited about that idea and so you start like oh man wouldn't it be great you're thinking of all the positive things wouldn't it be awesome if I rewrote this thing with this, uh, you know, if I if I did X, Y, or Z, that's this massive job because then it'll be justified by having benefits X, Y, Z. And it's hard at that at that time to see like, is this going to be worth like a like a six month slog or something <laughs> like some massive amount of time? Um, you know, having a period where there's going to be more bugs and it's going to be less stable and you're going to have problems to deal with that, that you that you otherwise wouldn't have and things like that. It's hard to in that period of, of like early project optimism, it's hard to really see and to make a good judgment of like, is this really ever worth doing or not? Or, or, or is it worth doing now or not? And one of the areas that I've been like toying with in, in my head for ah, about a year is I would theoretically, I would love to redo the entire user data model in Overcast to be where everything about your user data is stored in iCloud and that overcast servers know nothing about anybody and that all they're doing is like crawling the feeds and sending push notifications. And like when, whenever like things are new, like your, this feed is new, go and it would like notify everybody. You should go check this feed because it's new and you deal with your user stuff on your side. 
And this is a fantasy in part because I don't want people's data as much as possible. Like I'm trying to get rid of people's data if I can. And in part because it would make running the servers dramatically simpler and not only way cheaper, but like way fewer problems and way fewer liabilities. Like if I ever got hacked, there would be nothing really to see. If, if the, you know, if, if certain servers go down, uh, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't impact the app that much. If, you know, if, um, you know, I could run a lot fewer servers, like way, way fewer servers, and have you know a way simpler server side code base. So, like this is a wonderful fantasy. Um, the reality of it is that that would require rewriting massive portions of my app, and then I would and massive portions of the backend that currently like achieve certain functionality by having user data. I'd have to move that into the app into client side logic. And certain functionality would just no longer be available because I don't have, I wouldn't have like the like the you know combined user data on the server. So you wouldn't have things like recommendations be very easy. Um, and then, and then, I would have all these like all this like new code to write, all these bugs to fix. I'd have to deal with sync, which is really hard. And I already have sync working, so it's like once you have it working, don't touch it. <laughs> but you know, it's like that's that'd be really hard. And then I would have all this lost time to get to the system. Meanwhile, my users in reality would not care at all. This would benefit most users zero. Like some people would care about the additional privacy, but most people are very happy with the current level of privacy I offer. And so it like most people wouldn't care. It would just be like a theoretical benefit to me long term. Like I you know, my server side would be much simpler and cheaper to run, but like the reality is like that would be a massive undertaking and I'd have to rewrite so much of the app in order to achieve a benefit that if I think about it only like optimistically academically, it sounds great. But in practice, like, man, all that bug potential, all that work, all that rewriting, sometimes these big ambitious ideas aren't worth doing. And, and I think that's one of those things that like, it'll probably never be worth doing that because it's just such a massive undertaking for a benefit that most of the users don't care about. Yeah. And I think it's so easy and to jump to wanting to do it because i think in the moment it is easy to see the um to see the benefit especially the benefit for you and i think that is like if, if of all the things that i'm kind of trying to take from this experience for myself and i think it would apply to what you're talking about is the i it, like the, the blessing and the curse of being independent and not having not being told what to do means that we can do anything which is great in the sense that it gives us flexibility, it gives us um, a build, the opportunity to be creative. Like there's lots of really cool things that go into that. But it also means that we can be our own worst enemy and be making changes and doing work that um, is ultimately not in line with the broader context um, of our users. Or we, could be sol- we can be solving the wrong problem or the wrong problem at the wrong level um, because it's like we only have our own perspective. And I think that's the thing that is probably best for us to like the, the broader advice is just to try and keep a broader perspective about any time we have to make a change in, in our application. Who is this going to impact? Um, what are the what benefits? What are the benefits to me? What are the benefits to our customers? Um, you know, and try and ask more people um, about this situation, you know, about the change. Is it is it worthwhile? Like talk to people that you know who can give you good advice, whether that be your users, whether it can be other developers, friends, what family, whatever it is. Because I think in this situation, like, like I kind of wish that I had 
um, like I've, you know, in previous jobs where I've worked, there'd be, there, there likely would have been somebody who, as soon as I found my first like solution that I thought like, Oh, it seems like this is the problem. It would have been like, are you sure that's the only problem? Could there be more problems? Right. Like, and then if I'd spent just like whatever it was two months ago, if I'd spent one more day or one more hour or had a slightly different testing regime to work out what the problem was, like rather than being stuck in my kind of like very focused, like, you know, sort of I was had a very fixed uh, sort of concept of what the problem was. If I had a different perspective, if I had a broader mind, like mind about what I was trying to look for, like rather than just being like, huh, in my current system, when does the data go bad versus like, what if is like, what if I try a different approach to this problem? Like having that broader perspective is probably good. And in like in the case of what you're describing of like, there's, there's there could be these really cool architectural benefits that would be so great for you. But if they don't benefit our customers or they don't make or like, the, you know, they're, 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 they're not really moving the product forward then they probably aren't worth doing. Yeah, and, and this can apply to lots of different areas. I mean, one area that, that we probably should save for another episode um, is like you also might have this a similar kind of, of you know, potential for change in your business model. Yeah. You know, like, you, like that's, you know, we're, we've been talking about code this whole time and, you know, architectural considerations, but there's also like you could want to change your entire business model up and that comes with some of the same risks and, and thoughts and everything. Obviously, not you know, some stuff is different, but that's probably safe for a different episode. Sure. There's a whole lot of fear associated with that for sure, though. Oh, yeah. It's, and that's with good reason. <laughs> yeah. We will get to that another time. But today we are out of time. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. And if you happen to work on the Core Motion team, bug number 46606259 could use some love. <laughs>